Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast, where we explore the exciting science behind heart rate variability. The material discussed in this podcast should not be taken as medical advice. Please check with your medical provider to make sure any suggestions or strategies are right for you. Visit us at the OptimalHRV.com website to learn more about the Optimal HRV app, download a free copy of Matt's book, Heart Rate Variability, and also get show notes and additional resources around heart rate variability and its applications. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. Matt, it's been a long time. I know. I, good to have you back on you. the show, Jeff. I don't know how long it's been. You keep getting smarter people. Uh, to be on the show with you. So uh, I'm happy to be back and and participating with the podcast again. Yeah, it just seems like we're going through like the Hall of Fame or All-Stars, <laughs> uh, biofeedback, wellness, uh, pretty cool stuff. Uh, I know I've learned a lot from our guest and uh, I hope Absolutely. our audience, uh, which continues just to grow week after to week. Grow. Uh, I know, it's great is enjoying it as well. So uh, I know I'm having fun. So as long as I'm having fun, we'll keep throwing out episodes. But uh, yeah, uh, great to have you back on. You've been busy. Glad to be back. That's right. I I can't believe we're getting to the middle of summer. We got our own Colorado Avalanche up 1-0 in the Stanley Cup Finals. I know. know, Other than my torn up knee, life is good. Yeah, I know. I, I told the audience that a uh, little hobbled uh, you are. A little so. hobbled, that's right. HRB is pretty low these days as a result of uh, injury on the volleyball court. But, uh, you know, getting old and playing sports is uh, an interesting combination sometimes. Yeah, boy, the knee injury, but then here, what, are you going to potentially be back two to three weeks after surgery? Yeah, is- thankfully it's just arthroscopic, so uh, we'll, we'll be back pretty quick meniscus highly preferable to acls and all the other ligaments as you well know so exactly i'm sure a lot of our listeners have had problems with their meniscus as well so it's a common thing right yeah absolutely well uh i know we all wish you a speedy recovery (laughs) thank you (laughs) didn't mean for this to be a sob story about my knee well it was kind of a good transition into our topic for today that's kind of why i brought it up i mean you know when you and i were kind of brainstorming what we wanted to talk about today you had a really good idea of of really kind of reintroducing the concept of allostatic load. I know it's something that we talked about a long time ago. We're probably going back two years now or, you know, on the podcast, but, um, you know, it's, it's something that I keep in mind and it was something you introduced to me. So I had not, you know, I didn't know about it. And, and once you have, it's something that I've kept in mind and, and, you know, really utilized as best I can when, when thinking about my self-care and, and how to, how to approach my day-to-day with kids yeah. and work and, everything that's going on in the world right now. So, you know, let's talk a little bit more about that and and why did that sort of spring to the top of your head to, to reintroduce, you know, what, what what sort of inspired you for that? And then we can kind of kind of work our way around it from there. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I just got off one of these today too. I've, I've done de-escalation um, in the helping and healing professions as in life in general, uh, you know, working with populations who've experienced a lot of trauma, struggling with substance use, mental health, um, you know, occasionally, usually in most environments, it's not a daily thing, 
but we'll see people get into fight or flight, uh, which we talked a lot about that, that sympathetic response where you're, you're nowhere close to your prefrontal cortex, um, survival, traumatic responses, which can really uh, create a lot of danger in the environment. And so uh, I've done these trainings. I think, you know, I'm kind of just saying I started doing everything 20 years ago now because there's like <laughs> a point in my career. So I just say 20 years. Uh, uh, I'll probably say 20 years for the next five years until I can say 25 <laughs> years with some certainty. Um, but done one of these. And honestly, I would say de-escalation training was, was about one a year on average. Um, right? So something I it was kind of thrown into other series or my trauma-informed care uh, full day trainings. It might be identified as an issue. So I always enjoy it. I have worked it with, uh, some pretty violent populations who had real trouble with regulation. So, so developed, uh, expertise. I feel good about, uh, presenting this stuff. And then, uh, over the last 18 months. So in the first 18 years, maybe 18 de-escalation trainings, I have probably done double that over the last 18 months. Um, That's incredible. This has just become, um, I've done uh, one in DC, one in uh, Northern California, and just got done with one with my friends in Iowa, um, you know, over the last like seven days. Uh, that That's sort of what we're seeing in healthcare settings and social service settings. And I think it, it just speaks to how much stress we are all under because what has changed uh, recently, you know, and I think recently being the last, you know, year plus uh, of this time. And the real answer to that is allostolic load, Re really just the stress that we have been carrying around uh, for, for in many ways too long. Uh, we've talked about in past episodes, one of the things that exacerbates stress, uh, there are certain variables that will take you know, minor stress and start to turn it into major, major stress um, is duration. So things that are around for a period of time. And I just feel like so many of us have been in this muck of stress. Um, you know, I, obviously COVID still hits top of our list. Uh, I know you and I are like, recession? Like we were promised mm -hmm. the roaring 20s coming out of this uh, pandemic where money was going to be everywhere. Great time, you know. So yeah. I learned what a what the what the bear market is again. Uh, interest yeah. rates, uh, you know, all that. Yeah. We got monkeypox, uh, yeah, which I think we right. renamed, but I just haven't heard that new name yet. Uh, yes, probably for the better. Uh, yeah. A land war in Europe. If that was exactly. on your uh, 2022 bingo card. <laughs> um, again, we civil rights movement that that has happened uh, during this uh, for for a lot of us. I know uh, women's reproductive rights a huge Absolutely. change. Yeah, uh, the political climate coming in our climate and fear that uh, at least here in the United States that uh, you know populations I care dearly about like transgender rights uh, and other things are just being in certain areas. Certain areas like our state. Actually, we're passing better. We're, we're doing really good work, uh, at least. And I know the values we share in other states, um, it's it's scary. And so all of this uh, political environment, we got the January 6th hearings going on. Um, this is putting more and more allostolic pressure 
uh, on our nervous system. And so if we look at if we look at the science behind this, I, I'm going to hit it brain and then go to autonomic nervous system, because I think both of those give us unique insights because we have this high and low road in both our, our brain, our neurobiology up here, and then our autonomic nervous system starts around the brain stem at our uh, kind of neck area um, and goes down. So what we talk about when we talk about uh, the neurobiology, the brain science, is that what we see is when we're in, when you've heard this term, if you've heard all of our episodes, the window of tolerance. Let's mm-hmm. let's go back to the oldies but goodies, Jeff. So exactly, uh, that's right. Yeah, if we have a, but it's, manager, it's good. I mean, this is this this is something that I reference and think about all the time. It's yeah, so, so exactly. So if we have a manageable amount of stress, we have high prefrontal cortex functioning and a regulated amygdala. Amygdala is still on. You always you don't want to turn it off. But, you know, it's always part of the emotional, historically called the limbic system. So everything in the brain is connected to everything else and it all works together. So simplification is what we do and we lose something in there, but it helps us with understanding. So as we get more and more stress, what we see is more uh, amygdala activation and a lower prefrontal cortex. Now, some of us, if we're lucky, have developed coping skills to realize our stress response is rising where we can regulate that in the short term. What I've seen lately is like, we've been under so much stress that that amygdala is just operating now for months at times at just a much higher level, which is really giving us shorter and shorter of just kind of, if you think about traits, again, another oldie but goodie, about the resiliency traits that we've developed sort of long-term, we're just not able to hold as much as maybe pre-pandemic uh, that, that we were in. So we're just seeing this amygdala activation just at a higher, higher level of stress. And so this eventually is what it's doing. It's wearing down our executive functioning. Now, this is uh, our cognitive functioning, but also our emotional regulation as well. So, you know, Jeff, maybe before all the craziness in the world and you blew your knee out and all that stuff, you know, maybe patience as a dad of two young kids, even though I know this probably isn't true about you. They're just where mainly you may have five seconds to put up with a fit. Maybe you're done with it after four. Uh, you know, just like. Oh, absolutely, man. For sure. Just like getting to that point. So so we're just we're just wearing down. And I think when you look at our society right now, you know, we're, we're all hugely on edge. Um, you know, I, I know another big thing is gun violence here in the, the U.S. Uh, you know, and that somebody who's having this dysregulated nervous system, unfortunately, in our country can walk down the street and buy a, a weapon of war and do great harm with it. Is we're all sort of, no matter where our set point is, way more dysregulated um, than we were but before all this. And this is this is wearing us down. And that's where I'm really worried about a, a lot of people right now, because, uh, you know, this is where addiction can take hold. This is where, you know, a glass of wine for dinner turns into two glasses, turns into a bottle. Uh, maybe it was just three nights a week, turns into four to five. Just, you know, is that something that necessarily will hit us all at once? 
Uh, but we'll just, we, we call this chronic trauma and I don't use the word trauma lightly, but if you just start adding the variables up of what we've been experiencing, uh, you know, we, we've got this more, uh, cortisol in our system, uh, cytokines and really wearing us down. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you think about all those things you mentioned, I mean, how, how often five years ago where we heard stories about planes being diverted because of altercations and, yeah. you know, flight attendants being assaulted. And I mean, it was just all of these things that are happening that were not part of conversation because they, they weren't, they weren't a thing not that long ago. And now every time I get on a plane, I wonder this is going to be the, the yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And that mask mandates have gone away in the planes. I know that's gotten better, but just, you know, another example to your list. So so I don't think anybody would disagree that the world in general with, with all of these things that you've talked about and the state of really everything, you know, now that for at least we have the economy going well, relatively speaking, until recently, right? Yeah. And so now add that to the, the pile. So, you know, what, using your cup analogy, because I think a lot of people can benefit from that. You know, how do you, as an individual, knowing you can't change those external factors, like, you know, I, I can't make Russia uh, come to their senses and, you know, leave the Ukraine. I can't, I can't change the economic conditions of uh, inflation and those kinds of things. Um, but, you know, everybody can control what they're doing, how they're approaching their day to day, you know, doing things for them to try to manage this better. So, you know, maybe talk a little bit about the cup analogy and how people can start to apply that to their day-to-day -day lives. Absolutely. So cup analogy really being a measure of our resiliency and then also like load on top of that. So the size of the cup is what, what I've been talking about. It's our ability to really handle or recover from stress. Now, if Handling or recovering from stress sounds familiar. It's because we <laughs> use that phrase maybe uh, 500,000 plus times on this uh, podcast <laughs> to as a definition we use for heart rate variability. So, I mean, you can kind of look at this then as your 30 day plus average sort of gives you the size of the cup and the bigger the cup, the more stress we can hold without going full blown into fight or flight mode. Now, I'm not worried and, and i don't want you to think about well i'm either in fight or flight or i'm emotionally regulated that that is not how we want to look at it as our cup fills and the second part of the analogy is the amount of water in the cup which rep really represents the amount of stress if you really want to nerd out cortisol you can say is uh represent that so is that that fills up our cup we're closing the window of tolerance we'll often get more rigid or chaotic in our behaviors uh, so with rigidity, we'll get very rule-based. If you find yourself vacuuming three or four times a day, uh, only do it once and then come over to our place and vacuum the dog hair. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you might be like cleaning obsessively. Um, I've heard uh, several times now that OCD symptoms or maybe an onset of that is coming up because we're trying to control something. As you said, we can't control Russia. We can't control, well, technically, uh, you know, mass shootings in our country. Um, you know, we can't control you or I, at least, uh, the, the stock market right now um, and, and all that stuff. Uh, Monkeypox, you know, we can't control that. So it's 
all these things going on that, that we have very little control over um, that, that are impacting us. So rigidity, we're trying to find control where we can find it. Chaos, uh, which we see a lot, including on the news, I, the Oscars just stands out, you know, and I know there's complexity yeah. behind that, and, and I'm not one to speak to that. But one person got up and hit another person and sat back down and then got up and won an award. Like, that's <laughs> the society we're living in. And you, you can analyze that from very different perspectives, none of which probably two white guys should really be talking about. But it's like, okay, did that surprise anybody? Like, Absolutely. That's unprecedented. Yeah, okay. Like, oh, uh, he just sat back down and got up and got an award. Like, I, that, that's sort of where we're at collectively, you know, and I can speak more to the United States because we have our own special level of craziness going on as well. So when we look at this, what, what's happened to us, because again, and chronic trauma, and I also want to recognize a lot of people have been through trauma during this time too. Uh, I know COVID has, has hit, we've lost million plus people. We know those people. Um, fear, you know, fear for our own safety, fear for our own government, uh, uh, those uh, things, fear to go out in a public spot because every public space now has had its mass shooting pretty much in our culture. You're, you're, you're kind of, you know, even though technically you're probably safe, statistically you are, when you see this played over and over in the news, it's hard to feel safe uh, doing just basic things like going to the grocery store now. So this is wearing our capacity down while because of the length of this, while at our stress levels are sort of at an all-time high. So when we get, we start to see these behaviors, you know, this is why. It's we've got this toxic mix right now of long-term pressure decreasing stress capacity, and then just day-to-day, hour, hour, minute after minute. We're just sort of bombarded with this stuff that is is threatening to overwhelm us. And the higher, the more that that uh, water in our cup stays high, the more it's going to wear our nervous system down. And there's cognitive consequences on this. You look at long term dementia, early onset Alzheimer's, uh, a range of anxiety, depressive disorders. Uh, with this, we we know cognitively, you know, wearing us down, mental health wise range of issues, uh, our relationships um, are, I'm, I'm imagining we'll look back when we've got data five, 10 years and now, intimate partner violence, other things probably spiking, whether we know it or not. I hear, you know, just that on the ground about this, um, with this as well. I know workplaces are some of them are doing good. Others are, are really struggling right now. So just this range of issues uh, uh, that, that we're seeing. So the good news, Jeff, is, and we can then jump to the other side, is that 30-day average is going to give you data, that, that RMSSD, looking at 30 days versus all time if you've been taking it for a long time. If you're new to taking a heart rate variability, looking at your 30-day average, Versus population norms to begin with, as we always say, look at the population norms, be curious about it, and then kind of forget about it because you want to improve no matter uh, where you start. So uh, these, again, we're measuring our traits of resiliency and our resiliency kind of 
big R resiliency overall. Um, I, I really think, you know, I know because I hear the stories day after day, people are really, really struggling right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think this also, I mean, to your point, keeping track of the, the you know, kind of morning readings is, is important, but I think this is really where the biofeedback training and the mindfulness from the app comes into play. Yeah. Right. I mean, really giving yourself the ability to take 20 minutes out of your day, 10 to 20 minutes and, and really focus on building that resiliency back up, you know, and, 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 taking some of that water out of the cup a little bit so that you've got a little bit more window of tolerance between the top of the water and the top of the cup. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those things that easy to sort of not do, you know, not make time for I've got kids. I've got this. I wonder, is there a mirror in the room? And is there, a yeah, that's what I said. I know I'm guilty of that. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure other people are too, but you know, it's, it's just, it's just important to keep in mind, you know, and yeah. to, you know, especially as you see your numbers changing in a direction that you don't want them to change, uh, you know, utilize those tools, utilize things in our app or other apps, you know, whatever meditation you're into, you know, there's so much science behind the impact of, of how that helps. Absolutely. So, and, and, and so let, let's go down and talk about high low railroad. And then that is a great way to bring in uh, the biofeedback and mindfulness piece of this. So we also know, and again, probably if you're listening, well aware of this, but just to review, we've got the ventral vagal nerve uh, that, that really, and there's some really interesting research really changing how I'm actually updating uh, my, my heart rate variability book, the, the first one that I wrote, because the science is just rapidly uh, developing around this stuff. But so this is a little bit different language than you may have heard a couple years ago. Uh, not because necessarily we were wrong. It's because the research has fine-tuned how we talk about this. So we used to talk about heart rate variability being sort of a dance between ventral vagal activation and sympathetic activation. But what we're learning um, is really what we're measuring with heart rate variability is the strength of the vagus nerve. So, so what we see is that, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll give Ina just a, a shout out around this because she sat with me and really helped me uh, through this research to, to really learn how to talk about it. I kind of got it, but, but that's the brilliance of, of having her on our team is that our heart rate is really, you know, and this all depends on a variety of factors, but uh, without the ventral vagal uh, break on it, it's about 120 minute beats per minute. Now that's sort of, uh, for most of us, like running a sprint. And imagine going around life like that. Probably not gonna be great at your job. Probably not no, gonna be a great parent. No. It's a terrible existence, really, except for when you wanna run sprints, which you probably do all the time just to try to slow your heart rate down. So, <laughs> so we've got this almost, you know, and again, you may hear me talk about this a year from now, my language will shift a little bit more as the research does, but we almost have that set point. So. So that is, that's not necessarily sympathetic activation. That's human nature. Uh, if you, if you get the, it's not as much reliant on the sympathetic. So you got this 120 kind of set points B per minute. Then you've got the ventral vagal break, which we've talked about before. So what happens on the exhale, then we push that down. 
The brake releases on the inhale, comes back up, then pushes that down. So how we talk about this a little bit different now, because before I would have said, hey, we're all holding on more stress in our cup, you know, sympathetic activation, this, that, the other. And there is some still, if we're stressed out, if we're anxious, if we're in a fight or flight state, that is still sympathetic response. So the sympathetic can really weaken that vagal break um, with this. But we're really talking about, as a coping skill, strengthening the ventral vagal nerve. And you mentioned it, Jeff, it's that really uh, that residence frequency breathing rate. Um, game changer. Uh, like said, my my HRV, I'm in the, and the mountains help. I have enough data to say mountains help. I'm having 116 RMSSD average this week. Uh, you know, and I, I contribute a lot. I can tell you when I'm down in Denver, even though altitude should make it worse, uh, there's something about this forest bathing thing and I don't like get naked and like rub tree branches all over me. I just, I just like <laughs> take hikes in nature because it's right. I'm fortunate it's right outside my door. Um, you know, you see these spikes, but what RF frequency is. Okay. So the break helps to regulate. It's going to help to regulate anxiety. It's going to help calm the sympathetic nervous system, even though it's not always on like we kind of thought it was as far as heart rate variability but that strength is really going to determine your readings and then your average as well. So um, if you're not doing it and you're listening to this podcast, getting your, and our app gives you a 14 minute easy way to establish this biofeedback professionals will also help you do this as well. Uh, So it's not just the sales of our app, get your RF frequency breathing rate. This is not, I, I don't sell snake oil. This is backed by science. And I just got to tell you, it's been life-changing for me. Um, you know, it's basically, as I like to say, because I haven't come up with a better analogy, mindfulness on steroids. It, it just has really what I've seen, even though I've been under, like, I didn't know if my training business was going to survive the pandemic. Um, the things I care about are under attack, Um you know, all these things that, that, and I'm not saying I've had it worse than anybody or better than anybody. It just, sure. just reality. been a lot, been a lot going on for all of us. We don't need to minimize or maximize anything, but you know, what I have found with my 20 minute morning practice is it's kept me strong. Like, and I'm, I'm, I'm due for a vacation. Uh, it's coming up, uh, writing the last book. I like canceled a couple of them, which not great role model there, but I did. Uh, we, we, we had a deadline. We made the deadline. So that's the good thing. But, but you know, it, what it does is it just helps. It's like taking my ventral vagal to the gym, you know, every day. So what I'm doing is I'm strategically when it's really rough, I'm keeping my, my cup where it's supposed to be. And I'm helping to regulate my allostolic load. So the other thing mindfulness does is it gets some of that cortisol out of our cup. Now, do I also exercise and, and move? Yes. Do I try to eat non-inflammatory foods? Yes. Do I spend nine hours in beds and hope that I get eight hours of sleep? Yes. So not anybody that tells you they do one thing and it changes their life, don't believe them. So it's a mix of things. But this is the one thing that I've added in the last couple of years and just seen a huge growth. So get that RF frequency breathing rate. Uh, you know, and, and bring that into your mindfulness practice. 
try to get 20 minutes a day. Um, I think that, you know, you know, there's a dose response. Uh, the, the illness that we're all under, this stress is so big right now. It seems for whatever reason with human beings, 20 minutes is you get an A. You know, you can live with a B every once in a while, but you get an A. And I'll be honest, what I do, I do that 20 minutes of focused breathing with the pacer uh, and my RF breathing rate while I do my uh, morning sort of Tai Chi practice. And then um, as listeners know, I cheat in the evening, but I do 20 minutes while I kind of decompress and watch television. We, we got the uh, game six of the NBA finals tonight. So, you know, I'm going to get it out, uh, usually in the first quarter, because of the fourth quarter, I don't pay attention to the pacer. Um, but, but I'll get that out and I'll, I'll get my uh, second 20 minutes in. Should I turn the TV off and focus just on my breathing? Yeah, but it's just kind of like, kind of like a warm down after a workout. You're not going to get a huge lot of gain from it, but it's better than nothing. So, you know, it just, we need to find ways, whether you're using our app or not, like, fall back on healthy sleep, fall back on healthy eating, make sure you're doing some movement, make sure mindfulness is in there in some ways. Like I said, why not do RF frequency breathing and just just maximize that? And then again, tracking your heart rate variability can give you those warning signs um, where you may not, I got to schedule that vacation. That's, That's kind of where I was getting at. It's like, okay, I can't keep pushing this off. Of course, I got things to do, but here is a way I can do this. I need that because I know I'm going to be more productive in July than if I don't. I'll be a better uh, founder, uh, you know, business partner. I'll be a better trainer if I don't, even though it's like, you know, oh, I can't do this. Like, yeah, I got to. So really prioritizing that wellness, resiliency, and, you know, being uh, gentle with yourself when you can't, but really giving yourself a challenge when you can to really bring this on. So, um, yeah, do it for yourself, do it for your family, do it for your loved ones, do it for your coworkers, uh, do it for society. Cause you know, we need to heal. Uh, we need to be able to work together again. We need to be able to solve, uh, problems. Uh, we, we need to have confidence in each other, trust in each other again. And, you know, our social health as a country, at least is pathetic right now. And yeah, some of that is just, we can act like adults, but the other thing is too, or act like my wife's second graders who really (laughs) act better than some of the adults we have, but it's just like, we got to rebuild our health and wellness. Um, and if we don't focus on that, I think you can turn on the news tonight and probably get four or five different examples of uh, the consequences of that. That's it. Yeah, no, and I think you summarized that well. You know, I mean, it, it, there's so much, and we've already talked about this, but just to kind of bring it all back together. I mean, there's so much going on right now in the world out of our control. It's contributing mm-hmm. to the stress that people are carrying around. And so... How do you take things that you can control and respond and and put them into practice so that you can minimize the effect of those things yeah. that you can't control, right? And so, you know, that's what, what you're, you know, that's what we're seeing. That's what we're preaching. That's what we're trying to do ourselves. You know, you're, you're doing a better job than I am. Um, but, you know, hopefully our listeners can, uh, you know, can follow suit as well. 
Yep. And don't, I mean, we actually don't encourage you, and I'm speaking to Jeff here as much as the audience, to jump <laughs> right up to 20 minutes. If you can get five minutes in a day, that's great. If you can get three five-minute activities, spectacular. Like really trying just to work this in. I mean, I've just been using this like pre-trainings, just trying to get three or four minutes of it in. Uh, you know, I, I got, I know Jeff, you're flying more. I find if you, uh, put it on as you sit down, by the time you're able to get your laptop up about 20 minutes of time there. Mm -hmm. So it's perfect for the taxi runway. You know, you can't get your laptop up anyway. So, you know, just, you're supposed to have your phone in airplane mode, even though I don't know who does, but you know, it's a great time. Well, you don't to, have to be to connected just, to a device to, to still breathe with the yep, Yeah, Bluetooth, yeah. I guess, is allowed because that won't make the plane crash, though your cell phone <laughs> connection will. So who knows? That's not my science to figure out. But you know, <laughs> just finding little ways, maybe five minutes before you go to sleep, put some blue light blocking glasses on so you don't scare stare at your screen and get the blue light. Just five minutes, just trying to find those little, little pieces of time. And, and don't don't say when you hear 20 minutes, you got to do 20 minutes all at once. If you can break that up, I think there's benefits to that. But wherever you're at, do a little bit. And again, work your way up. We, we have a great onboarding process uh, developed by a Harvard Medical uh, School professor uh, that, that will really onboard you. And it's not start out with 20 minutes. Uh, we, we really help you work up. You don't want to run a marathon if you've not gone for a jog in several years. So we, we really ease your nervous system into this because it is a workout and you don't, I mean, you're probably not going to hurt yourself by doing 20 minutes, but at the same time, we want to build you up, kind of create that stamina because it can be hard. Uh, if you never broke, breathed that RF breathing rate, um, you know, and I'm doing it at 10,500 feet right now who this morning I, I had to catch my breath, which is ironic when you're breathing, it's still training <laughs> for me. I've been doing this for 18 months or something like that. Now it is still a training activity for me to do it. I've got, I've got to be focused. I've got to really focus on inhale, exhale. I have to make sure I get, get my belly, uh, bring that air down. Like Dr. Dave taught us, uh, with it. So be gentle on yourself. Five minutes. That's great. Yeah, pat yourself on the back. If you can do a little bit more, great. But again, uh, whatever you do, you've got to really prioritize your wellness or there's these long-term consequences, including early death uh, from heart attack, from diabetes, from stroke that, that are really waiting for so many of us right now. And so, um, you know, I don't want to make anybody afraid, but that's what the research shows us is this will take years, decades even off our life and make our quality of life uh, a lot worse. Uh, when you think about dementia, Alzheimer's, if you've ever seen that, um, you know, we've got research connecting that to work stress, uh, connecting that to trauma we've been through. So, and if you're really feeling like, God, I'm in such a bad place, 20 minutes, probably a day isn't going to help me get out of that. You know, I just encourage people reach out to a mental health therapist too. Um, I'm encouraging everybody that's in my wellness and resiliency trainings um, in the healthcare arena, especially uh, therapy's got to be part of your thinking. Like, you know, most people have an employee assistance program where you get six free sessions. That's probably enough for like 80% of people. So, you know, it's free, do it and, you know, take care of yourself. 
Look at this next stretch if you're there as a recovery period. You're not going to recover like, you know, Jeff, uh, having an injury. You're not going to get up and run five miles tomorrow. But no. if you're smart and you follow physical therapy and the advice of the medical professionals, you'll get there. Uh, it sounds like within probably a month, you'll be able to uh, be active again, if not to your old self, close and getting there pretty quickly. So, you know, uh, just how do you recover mentally from everything we've been through? Yeah, I think that's a great summary. I think this was sort of a good reminder and a, you know, a good topic to revisit based on everything that's, that's going on in the world. And, you know, again, just, just, giving everybody permission to, to think about what they can do and what they can control for their own well-being. So, yeah. as always, it's a pleasure, Matt. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Thanks to everybody for, for listening, the continued support of the podcast. It's been great to see the, you know, the listener base grow and continue to reach out. And, uh, you know, we appreciate it immensely. Hopefully we're, we're continually giving everybody good content and, and uh, you know, giving them good things to think about. Yep. And as always, you can find show notes at OptimalHRV.com and uh, uh, feel free to reach out to us as well. We're always looking for experts. Uh, we're always looking for ideas. So if you have a question, um, if you have an expertise you think you might want to share, uh, yeah, don't hesitate to reach out. We just have a lot of fun doing this. So uh, we would love to meet you, talk to you and uh, learn from your expertise as well. So uh, thank right. you, everybody. Jeff, good luck on your surgery next week, my friend. Uh, uh, can't you. wait till I see you jogging around the neighborhood soon. I can't wait either. I'll, I'll take just walking up and down the stairs normal first, but uh, <laughs> we'll get there small, soon enough. Small steps. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Really appreciate it.